chapter 6. And boy, God sure is good, isn't he? I was thinking as we sang that song at the cross, at the cross, he says, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. And boy, I'll tell you, uh, it's a sobering fact to think of the fact that there's not one thing that we can do to repay the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done for us. His gift was so great. But we can certainly give him our love, can't we? And uh, I think our service and the, the life that we live and the dedication to the life that we live for Him are, as we spoke this morning, the idea of uh, saturating our lives by the Word of God and living by the things that the Bible teaches ought not be something we do grudgingly or hesitantly, nor should it be something that we look at and say, well, I have to do it because I owe God so much. We will never repay Him. It ought to be something we do because we love Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind. And I believe that's why Christ said that that's the greatest commandment. And boy, what a Savior we have tonight, and I thank Him for it. And uh, there are times that you get thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done, and it just seems to almost overwhelm you, doesn't it? Uh, It's hard to contain uh, as we think and dwell on it. And a spirit of worship and certainly a spirit of humility and uh, admiration for Him. And I hope every day we draw closer to Him, don't you? I really do. I, I hate when I get through the week and I feel like, boy, I just didn't move very far in my Christian life this week. And uh, I, I want to draw closer to Him. I hope you do too tonight. And uh, we're going to look in Ephesians chapter number 6. The Apostle Paul writes, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we'll begin verse number 10. And finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Father, I pray that you bless the time that we spend here together. Lord, a very familiar passage, one that I believe most, if not uh, many, if not most of us or all of us have read at least at one point in our lives, probably have heard it preached on before. And Lord, yet we ask you tonight to do something unique in our hearts. And I pray that you'll use this passage to draw us to you and that you can be lifted up in our hearts and in our minds. And Father, as we leave here tonight, that you will have your rightful place And Lord, it seems like so often we allow you to slip from that throne of our hearts. And we ask tonight that you would help us to put you there and to keep you there throughout this week as we uh, uh, go through another week of striving to be what you would have us to be. And Lord, give us the strength and the wherewithal to be able to accomplish the things you would want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I want you to notice, if you would please, as we begin reading this, this is nothing new tonight, by the way. It's, it's, I think most all of us have, have read or know this passage of Scripture fairly well. But I want to draw out a couple things that have been an encouragement to me. Brother Keith read from this passage probably three or four weeks ago, I think it's been two weeks ago. And it's been on my heart ever since he read it. And uh, this week has just been, uh, I've thought and molded over and meditated on it. And just, I'll tell you, sometimes the truth grabs a hold of you and just doesn't let you go sometimes. And I hope this will be a help to you tonight. But let's look in verse number 10. As Paul says, finally, my brethren. So we want to start off with this. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the Christians, right? He's not speaking to the lost, the natural man. But he's speaking to those that have their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong. But he doesn't tell us just to be strong. He tells us to be strong what? In the Lord. And, and one of the great things that I feel like many times in our Christian lives we lose focus on is this thing of, of waiting on God and allowing His work and His will to be done in our lives through His power and through His strength. And I know there are times that we get excited about doing something for God, and we're chomping at the bit. We're like that racehorse standing in the gate and just can't wait to get going. And so many times, and i found at least in my life, and I'm sure others battle this as well, that we tend to want to get a little bit ahead of God. And we want to rush out there right away without His power upon our lives. And I, I think often of the time when Christ was getting ready to ascend and He gives the, the uh, uh, disciples what we call the Great Commission as He tells them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. And I've heard great soul-winning sermons preached on that passage and how we ought to be going out here and reaching the world. But there's very little preaching that's done on the rest of that phrase that says, But tarry ye in Jerusalem. Until you be endued with power from on high. And I often wonder if we are out of God's will, if we are doing God's work, God's way, but without His power. And one of the things that I believe that we've got to come to grips with in our life is seeking for God's power on our lives. This idea that we're involved in a great battle, in a great war that we're going to be looking at here this evening. And the truth of the matter is it's not against flesh and blood things. It's not about things that you and I can really handle on our own. But it's about things that if we do not have God's help and God's aid and God's strength in, we will not succeed at all. And so Paul is telling the church at Ephesus in the end of his letter here as he's closing, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And look what it says, and in the power of His might. Oh, it's so important that you and I understand that our dependence is on the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Andy Casey came by here just this last week or so, and I've heard him say this before, but he sat in my office, we fellowship for a little while, and he had to pick up some mail that he had here, and we were talking for a little bit and just sharing some of the blessings of ministry and, and things that we've seen over the years, and what a blessing it was and encouragement to sit and talk with my pastor for a little bit. And he made a statement that I had heard him use before, and he said, uh, I like to refer to myself as a dependent Baptist. And I know what he means by that. I know we like to refer to ourselves as independent, but the truth of the matter is when we use that phrase, what we're meaning is we're not dependent upon any other organization or hierarchy, but I hope we never get away from the fact that we are fully dependent upon God himself. He is the head of the body. He is to have the preeminence. 
Not only in our lives, but in our churches. He is the one that is to have His rightful place. And we've got to get to a place where we don't think that we can do some of it, and then God can just do the hard parts. But we've got to realize that without Him, we can do what? Nothing. There's not one thing that we can do. And I don't know about you guys, but the great temptation that I battle in my life is to say, Lord, I can handle some of this. You, you can wait over there in the shadows until I'm in great need, and then you can step in and save the day like the superhero. And it's sad that we get to that place, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could ever get to the place where every morning we get up and say, Lord, if you do not help me today, I won't make it. If you don't help me in every area, if I don't acknowledge you in everything that I do, I'm not going to succeed. But we don't like to do that. We, we get too busy with our lives and we, we, tend to have to push, we tend to push God into the back, of the, uh, back of the shadows for a little while. I heard a man say one time this way, he said, it's almost like we refer to him as an Aladdin's lamp for the Christian life. That we go along and we do our life the way that we want to do it until we're in need. And then we take him off the shelf and say, come save the day. But wouldn't it be wonderful if God's people could get a hold of this truth? Get a hold of the fact that we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Look what he says as we get to verse number 11, and I like this. Paul says, put on the whole armor. What are the next two words? Of God. Whose armor is it? It's His armor. It's not mine. There's not, there's not things that I put into place in my life, but there are things that God will put into place in my life if I'll allow Him. This armor belongs to Him. He says, put on the, full ar- the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the what? Wiles of the devil. Now I want you to know that there's an implication that's given in this verse. Do we see it? We don't, we don't sit here and say, I wonder if the devil is going to come after me. We don't sit here and say, I wonder if there are going to be temptations in my life. We don't sit here and say, I wonder if there's going to be a battle in the Christian life. The implication and the assumption that is made in the verse is, we will have these. They are coming, and are we ready for them? For us to get to the place where we don't seem to be concerned about the devil's wiles coming toward us, about moments of temptation coming toward us, about things that will come into our lives, circumstances that will bring testing into our lives on us, unless we get apathetic and fall asleep to these things and, and wake us, awake surprised when it happens, we need to come to the realization that they are coming. And I don't mean to be a fatalist, and I don't mean to sit here and and say, well, woe is me, the end of the world, the end of the world, like Chicken Little did when the sky was falling in. But the truth of the matter is, the devil is as a roaring lion. He's walking to and fro, and he's seeking whom he may devour. And rest assured, if you trust Christ as your Savior, and you're walking after the Spirit, and doing the things that God wants you to do, the devil's got a target on you. And he is going to come after you. It's not a matter of if. And to be real honest with you, in the day and age that we live, it's not even a matter of when. Because it's all around us and it's happening every moment of every day. And we've got to be ready. Could you imagine the United States government recruiting young men and women to be a part of their military? To loading them on a bus and sending them overseas with no training and no equipment. 
and say, good luck. Neither does, the, neither does the Lord do that to us. He gives us His book. He allows us to study it and to learn from it, to gain strength from it, to learn the principles of Scripture, to hide His Word in our hearts. And then He tells us that He'll give us His strength. And then he'll tell us, He tells us that He'll give us His armor. So that when the wiles come from the devil, we're ready for them. And I hope, it's, I hope it's something that we don't take lightly, that we are apathetic to or that we've fallen asleep to. But I hope it's something that we are vividly aware of every day of our lives. Because in the moment that we think that we stand, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. In the moment that we get to the place where we think, well, that won't happen to me, that's the time we better start watching out. I don't know how many times over the years I've heard people say, that have drifted, that had been in church and had drifted away from the Lord, and God got a hold of them and brought them back. I don't know how many times, and I can remember vividly specific instances, and I could give you names and stories of this happening where they had been in church and had been on fire for God and had drifted away from God and, and gotten away from Him, and then God brought them back to hear them say, I've been there before, I won't ever go back there again. You don't have to worry about me, Brother Greg. Boy, every time I hear that, I begin to cringe. Because I've seen way too many times people that gain their own confidence in their own selves. The fact that they've had the experience and they're not going back there again. And they do not rely on the strength of God. They do not rely on the armor that He's provided for us. The things that He's given us to protect us from the wiles of the devil. And before long, it's not long before you see them dropping out of church again. And going right back to the same swine pit that they were in before. The time that we begin to think we're standing, the Bible says we need to take heed lest we fall. About the time that we begin to think a little too highly of ourselves, that we've got the strength and we've got the power to be able to do what, what needs to be done in the Christian life, we need to be careful. That ought to be a warning sign. That ought to be the big sign that stands up there and flashes its light and says, Whoa, stop for a minute. Think about this. What are you doing? Because we don't stand in our power, do we? We're not battling flesh and blood things. We're not just talking about having an argument with an employer. We're not just talking about having a debate with a, with a, a person that doesn't know the Lord and, and trying to give an account for our faith. But we're dealing with a battle that takes place in the spiritual realm. And by the way, I think Christians far too often don't think of this at all. That there is a great battle going on. The Bible says in verse number 12, For we wrestle not. And for the first time in verse number 12, we see the word we. It's interesting to me that God gives us His strength. And God gives us His armor. He even gives us what's called the sword of the Spirit. It's not even our sword. It's the sword that the Holy Spirit enables us to use. And yet, He puts the responsibility of the wrestling on us, doesn't He? And to what degree we are ready for God's power to be used in us and for His armor to be used in us will, in a large part, determine the success we have in wrestling. And it is a great privilege that God has given to us that we are able to trust Him for the strength and the armor to be able to win the wrestling match. When that temptation comes, isn't it wonderful that He tells us in His Word He's made a way of escape? Amen. Isn't it wonderful that he says, listen, you don't have to succumb to these temptations. I've made a way out of it. My strength 
my armor, my spirit. You don't have to give in every time the devil comes after you. And trust me, he's coming. When, when we wrestle, we don't have to wrestle in our own strength with our own, with our own armor. But notice what he says here in verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. Where? In high places. I don't mean this to be a study tonight on demonology and angels, but I want to share something with you tonight from the book of Daniel, chapter number 10. If you'll hold your place here and turn with me, because I want you to see this. It's very important that we understand that the warfare that goes on around us is not something of a physical nature, but it is something of a spiritual nature. And because of such, it must be one with spiritual tools and with spiritual uh, armor. Look with me, if you will, in Daniel chapter number 10. The Bible says in verse number 1, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So we know that there was a vision that was given to Daniel. He understood what the vision meant, but he wasn't sure of the time frame, but he knew it was for a long time off. And in verse number 2 it says, And in those days I, Daniel, was in mourning, was, was mourning, notice this, three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh or wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And there ought to be a lot said about verse number 3, that there are things in the Christian life even that ought to take more importance and more precedence than our physical needs. We've lost that somewhere along the way, and I won't, I'll just leave it at that. And one of these days we'll do justice to that and give it a message of its own. In the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side, the great river which is in Hedekel, which is Hedekel, when I lift up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girt with the fine gold of Euphaz, his body also was like the barrel, his face as the appearance of lightning. Boy, I like that. And his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. And the voice of his words were like the voice of a multitude. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I like to read it as if I'm reading it for the very first time. Because it's easy for us that have been raised in church or that we've read the Bible or we've been saved for a period of time to read through things like that and that type of verbiage not astound us and amaze us. But we find here a messenger from the Lord that's been sent to Daniel. And look at the things that is said about him. It doesn't say that he is all of these things. It just says he was like these things. The, uh, Daniel could not even express exactly what it was. He said, I just can only describe to you what I know. And it looked kind of like this. This is the best I can do to describe it. But it talks about his uh, eyes being lamps of fire, his appearance of lightning, his arms, uh, his feet in the colors, the polished brass and the brightness of this being. The voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I don't know about you, but if I saw something like that, I would be petrified. I would. And I hear these guys sometimes get up in the pulpit and say they've had a vision. And how they walk hand in hand and buddy buddy with God, not me. Brother, I find in Scripture every time somebody gets in the presence of God, there is a trembling. There is a humbling as we begin to see ourselves. Can you imagine? As we see the righteousness of God, what we must look like. 
I'm talking about even the best among us. Can you imagine how deplorable we are when we are recognized alongside of God's righteousness? Daniel sees this vision. He sees this being, this messenger of God. Notice what is said here as we get to verse number 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this vision, and there remained no strength in me. Do you see that? No strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Let me ask you a question before we go on. If this messenger from God was sent to Daniel on the first day that Daniel began to give his supplication, how many days has it taken him to get to Daniel? We find three weeks, do we not? For Daniel has been in supplication for three weeks. Twenty-one days. And he said, from the, first, from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. This angel from the Lord, this messenger, was sent to Daniel. Well, folks, there was a spiritual battle taking place in that kingdom at that time. The Bible refers here to some sort of demonic being that was labeled here as the prince of Persia. Had some sort of control over the ruler of Persia at the time, which was Cyrus. It's interesting to me that in the book of Daniel several times you find visions that rulers had. We find Nebuchadnezzar had one. The first thing Nebuchadnezzar thought to do was to call his astrologers and his Chaldeans and his soothsayers to come and interpret the dream. The reason Nebuchadnezzar was so confident in calling them is because many times they could interpret the dream. Because the demonic force had given Nebuchadnezzar the dream and those that were controlled by others in that realm had the interpretation. They were all on the same page. It was easy for them. Until one day God gave a dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And he couldn't answer the dream. And he called his astrologers and his Chaldeans and his soothsayers and they were all wondering what in the world it was. Because not only did God give the dream, but he caused Nebuchadnezzar to forget it. 
Nebuchadnezzar said, I want you not only to tell me the interpretation of the dream, but I want you to tell me the dream. And Daniel gets the opportunity to come and to give the dream. Why? Because God had given him the dream. We find that this prince of Persia withstood the messenger one and twenty days. Look what it says here as we get to verse number 13. But lo, Michael, one of the, what's the next word here? Chief princes came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. For yet the vision is for many days. We could take other passages of Scripture to support this. But in a nutshell tonight, I want you to understand that we are in a spiritual warfare. You remember the story of Elisha when he was surrounded by the Assyrian army? And his, his uh, servant was nervous and biting his nails and wondering what was going to happen. And he prayed and he said, God, would you open his eyes so that he could see? The servant looked out and surrounding the city were strong soldiers with fiery swords. It's interesting to me as I read that story that while the servant needed to see in order to have faith, nowhere in that passage do we hear anything that Elisha saw it. He just believed it was there. He understood and he knew there was a great warfare going on. And can I tell you this? That every time we meet as a church, there's a battle that takes place in this property that we don't see. Every time that we go into a, a situation where we are put through the ringer and we've got some kind of a decision to make and we've got circumstances and trials that are coming our way, every time that temptation comes into our heart or into our life, folks, there's a battle that is going on that we cannot see, but it is just as real as real can be. Back in Ephesians chapter number 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against these principalities, against these powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And look what the Bible says regarding this. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I want to stop for a moment here in verse number 13. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you the what? The whole armor of God. I've known Christians that will say, Well, I'll take this one and I'll take that one. And there's even times in my life that I feel like I've been guilty of that. That I've had my sword of the Spirit. Might have even had my shield of faith. My feet were not shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Maybe there were some other pieces of the armor that we just kind of pick and choose and say, well, maybe the helmet of salvation. Maybe we're toying around with that. We don't even know if we're saved or not. We don't take the whole armor of God and we become susceptible to these wiles of the devil. The Bible says we're to take under this the whole armor of God. And then he says that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. Do you see that? The idea of bracing ourselves. I, I'm from South Florida. And we certainly know full well when the hurricanes come what it is to withstand the storm. You hunker down and you just hold out until it's over. 
And there are times that all we can do under the attack of the Lord of, of Satan is he comes after us and the attacks of the devil. All we can do is just hold on until it's over. There's times I've been there, and I'm sure there are times you can say, I've been there. It seemed like there wasn't anything else you could do. Just hold on. Then he says in verse number 14, stand, uh, uh, sorry, verse number 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. When the battles are not there, you're not having to withstand the storm or to remain on alert standing. Having done all to stand, he says, therefore, verse number 14, stand, therefore. Having your loins girt about with what? Truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Do we know our Bibles? Do we know the gospel story well enough to give to others? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We do all of that. We take on the whole armor of God. We put these things into place in our lives. We're alert. We're ready for it to come. We're, we're braced for the storm. The storm may come today or it may come tomorrow, but we're ready for it. It's amazing to me to see sometimes the devastation that is caused by people that are not ready for the storm. They're not braced for it. Uh, all of us, I believe, know what it is to have moments in our life where we are closer to God than at other times. I believe all of us understand that there are times in our life where we're on the mountaintop spiritually, and there are times maybe when we're in the valley spiritually. But can I tell you that it is God's will that we abound in the Christian life, that we are ready at a moment's notice, that when those trials and those temptations come, we don't have to try to decide we've already purposed in our heart. We've already made preparation with the gospel. We've already taken the shield of faith. We've already girded our loins with truth and taken on the breastplate of righteousness. We are ready for the storm. And when it comes, we stand. We do not falter. And I'm not saying we don't get weary, but we stand anyway. The Bible says as we get to verse number 18, I believe this is where the source of our strength is. Again, we have God's armor, but we also must be in His strength. And He says in verse number 18, what? Praying always. Praying always. Where do we get our strength? From the Lord Jesus Christ. We've taken His armor, but are we ready? Are we braced? Are we relying upon His strength? Because we're going to wrestle. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. In the Spirit. In the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I love this. We are to seek for the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
To be able to not only withstand, but even to stand when the trials are not there. And to be ready, to be alert, to be on guard. When they come, we don't have to scramble. We don't have to try to say, oh, what am I going to do? We're ready for it. Have you ever known a Christian that you knew that went through some valleys and you looked at them and you thought, how in the world? The storms are beating on their life mercilessly. How are they standing? How are they going through such a trial? And you look at them and they've got the grace of God on their life. And I'm not saying that they're without sorrow or without problems in their lives, but you never hear them complain. You never hear them get bitter at God or upset at God over what they're going through. They just seem to go through it. And then you see other Christians. And they're fretting every day. They're, they're like, oh, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do over here. Oh, I got this problem over here. I just don't know what I'm going to do. The difference between those that are ready to stand and those that are faltering. Not only do we not have his, all of His armor, but we've not sought for His power. Praying always, the Bible says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That we have the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon us. And watching thereunto with all perseverance, look, look at this, and supplication for what? What does it say? For all saints. Isn't it wonderful to know we're not all on our own out here? We're not standing in the middle of the pasture with the battle of the Satan coming against us all alone. We have the power of God on our lives. And more importantly, we have brothers and sisters in Christ that also have the power of God on their lives. that come around and help us. And we are to pray one for another. I hope and pray so much that our church prays for the pastor. Because I'll tell you right now... <laughs> I'm just like anyone else. Satan puts me through the ringer like anybody else does. I hope and I pray that when we look at the pews of our church that we pray one for another. Because whatever valley and battle and trial we've gone through, rest assured our brothers and sisters are going through it or will go through it too. And isn't it wonderful to know that when we go through the battle, we're not out here fighting it alone. We have the power of God. We have the armor of God. We have the sword of the Spirit. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ lifting us up in prayer. Boy, what a joy. If that doesn't encourage a Christian, I don't know what does. Because the devil at that point doesn't have a chance, does it? You know the other implication we have from this? It tells us in Scripture, we're to take the whole armor of God so that we can what? Quench. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. You ever stop to think about that? When we have God's armor and God's power, the wiles don't hurt us. They're quenched. It's almost like God licks his fingers and reaches out and, tss, not that one, Satan. Isn't that wonderful to our lives? Because the truth of the matter is when that armor's missing, maybe we've only got part of it. Or God's power is not there. Those wiles seem to come through and affect us, don't they? It's during those times that we take those direct hits. And we reel and stumble around, as the psalmist said in Psalm 107, and stumble to and fro like a drunken man. And are at our wit's end. That's when that happens. 
But aren't you glad that the psalmist also said, Then I cry unto the Lord in my distresses, and He hears my voice. And He delivers me. Take unto you the whole armor of God. Make sure that we have the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can withstand the storm and stand, having done all, so that the wiles of the devil can be quenched. They can be quenched. We do not have to succumb to the trials that Satan throws at us. We do not have to succumb to the temptations that he draws our way. We call it having victory in the Christian life. And to what degree we have God's armor and to what degree we have His power will largely depend how well the outcome of the battle will be. I want to challenge you in this. That we give great consideration to our lives as to where we are in this process. That we spend some time alone with God and say, God, do I have all this armor or there's some things lacking then we get to the point where we say, God, do I have your power resting upon me? Or am I lacking that? So that we can withstand in the evil day. And having done all, then it's time to stand. Amen? Let's stand together, shall we? Father, we're so thankful for your word. A lot of things in this passage that certainly encourage us. Father, we're not so naive here tonight as to think we can accomplish this type of wrestling. Wrestling with principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places. Father, we are not so naive as to think we can ever accomplish anything against that in our own strength and using our own methods. But Father, we must become fully dependent upon You for the strength to wrestle, for the armor that will protect us, and so that when the wiles do come, they will be able to be quenched. Father, I pray that every day you will allow us to take inventory of our spiritual condition. That we, before we go to bed tonight, would take an opportunity to get down beside our bed and take your word and begin to say, Lord, show me. Show me the things that are needful in my life. Father, that I can grow, that I can be what you would want me to be. Lord, our hearts desire that. We love you tonight and we want to be all that you want us to be. We want to be a good testimony. And Father, we certainly do not want to fail in the day of battle. We do not want to be counted as the one that is the weak one. The one that all the others have to guard and protect. But Father, we want to be able to stand in your power and in your might. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do so this week. In a moment as we have a time of invitation, I pray that you would work on hearts and, Father, that we would maybe do some introspection and thinking about our spiritual condition tonight. And Lord, I know that there are those out here, there certainly are those out here in the auditorium tonight that love you. Lord, we do not, we do not discredit that. But, Father, there may be some folks that love you very much, but we've not sought for your armor and we've not sought for your power in our lives. Father, protect us as we engage in this warfare that is a very real warfare, that if we do not protect ourselves from Your armor, and we do not have Your power in our lives, Satan is bound to get the victory in our life. Father, defend us from those things. Help us as we go through that we would walk strong and steadfast and unmovable. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed, we'll just have a hymn of invitation briefly tonight. And if God's spoken to your heart, would you come this evening?